Would you please open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16? 1 Samuel chapter 16. When you found it, would you please stand for the reading of God's word tonight? 1 Samuel chapter 16. Please follow along silently as I read out loud. Starting with verse number 14. Verse number 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore, wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread, and a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting with verse number 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of the all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tabrets with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on, on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him, and was departed from Saul. And let's pray. Samuel chapter 16, please. I will not go back and read all of this. I'll read portions of it as we go on. How kind of God, the Father that we have, will not only talk about the good things of his children, but for our help. He's not degrading them. He is letting us know we all have problems, and I want to help you with my children's problems in case you run into problems. Here, how kind of God to show us in David's life a contrast between David and other people in similar situations facing similar tragedies. 
And now we can see both. Only God would think of doing something like that. So I'm very appreciative of, of the word of God that would show me, here's David and almost everything went right. I'm sorry, I can't necessarily identify with that. Here's another person right beside him that went through similar things and tragedy struck his life. I want to know why. I want to know how to succeed. I want to know what God wants from me. I want to know how I can do this the way God wants me to do it. Here, the Holy Spirit uses David, King Saul, setting them side by side. Both of them, now watch this very carefully. This is just introduction. Both of them start off being called by God. Both of them start off being anointed by the Holy Spirit. And after that, they go in different directions. Both of them started off the same. Both of them had the same entrance, if you would, out into society. The problem is, after those two likenesses, there's nothing like them in comparison at all. They both go in different directions. The contrast is absolutely amazing. We see, if you would, the sun starting to rise on one person's life. And we see it setting on another person's life. There's a lot of things about this sermon that are very sad to me. For one, there's a steady growth in grace and in knowledge and heading towards the Lord. For the other, and what we see in their life, we see that there's a tragic decline as sinfulness begins to fill their life. Look up here, listen to me. Girls, listen please. We see these things starting to happen. Darkness begins to come in, frustration and sin. The same loving God. There's not two gods working here, one in Saul's life and one in David's life. That's not the case. The same loving God, the same heavenly resources are at the disposal of both of these men. But we see one of them steadily rising and one of them steadily going downhill. I want to talk to you tonight about this subject, triumph or tragedy. Triumph or tragedy. Father, would you please help me tonight? I have no inkling, no desire, no want to do anything that would not be pleasing to you. I know this should be our heart's desire no matter what we're doing, but I'm asking you right now that you would lead and guide what I say and what I think. But I would ask you also to please lead and guide what others are thinking. Lead them in thought to write truth about themselves. Let me just be of help, an instrument perhaps, that you could use. If you will do that, I think you'll be glorified, and I think I could be satisfied that I did what God wanted me to do. Please help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. The incident in, in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, verse 23, we read here where David is playing his musical instrument, if you would, uh, a harp playing for King Saul, who has got a real bad attitude going on here. We find out here, it's very, very interesting, how that music, when nothing else would, he had, he had counselors, he had men of war, he had friends, but the thing that helped King Saul, listen to me carefully, folks, listen, is the right kind of music. One of the worst things you want to happen in your life when you're in a tussle with somebody or the Lord or somebody out in the world is listen to wrong music. Wrong music will do nothing but stir you up and make things worse. 
I've got a man here who's got an evil spirit sent to him by the, from the Lord and good music could even calm him down. It's very, very important what you listen to here. So we find out here in chapter 16, verse 23, between this place here where David is soothing King Saul with, and his disposition, calm him right back down. During the same event, he goes out and he faces Goliath. During all of this, what's going on here, we see where David now is back home with his father's sheep. What I don't know is, and I can't tell you I do know, is how many years have passed by. I'm going to assume this, this young man that we see first being introduced to King Saul, anointed by God, and facing Goliath is not the same young man we're looking at right now. I think years have gone by. He is now a valiant man, a very valiant man. He is a man of war, the Bible says. So there, I, I think there's been some time that has passed on. Please understand also, years may have passed, but at any rate, David was perfectly, oh, folks, listen to me. David was perfectly content, though anointed by God, though years have passed by, to wait Yes. Upon the Lord. Yes. One of the hardest things for people to do, especially men, is to wait. I want you to understand, David had already been anointed to be king. It's not that he was hoping to be king or anointed. He was king already. He's been anointed. The preacher had already passed, if you would, the approval that he was next to be king. David is out watching sheep. Nobody really knows he exists. He had one great feat that he performed and back off he went again. Please understand, we think because God used us in a mighty way one time, we need to be in the forefront. This is going to hurt a lot of Christians. We have to be careful of that. What we find out here is when God, he was perfectly willing, listen to me, please listen to me. God needs preachers. God needs missionaries. God needs people who are willing Amen. to be full-time and pay the price. Amen. Amen. The problem is, is in his time. Yes. Yes, sir. There is a time. We have got to understand that David is now, after being anointed, after taking on Goliath, after being in the king's presence, after him knowing that before long I'm going to be the king, he's out watching sheep for his daddy. As though there's no job small enough whether God has anointed you or not. If it's not your time yet, it's not your time yet. Here's a great example of patience waiting upon God. Another evidence of God working in a person's life is, I won't move until you tell me. I want to talk to you about triumph and tragedy. I want you to notice first of all, Go to 1 Samuel chapter number 18. I see here a man who started off, I think, in love with God. King Saul. You know, when it come time for him to be uh, acknowledged as being king, he was hiding. Isn't that amazing? Uh, he was hiding. He was over hiding in some stuff. And they're looking around and said, so where did that guy go? Where's it? The guy, you know, the guy. Where's, where's he at? So, oh, here he is. He's hiding, the Bible said, in the stuff. Do you know what the Bible makes a statement about that is this. Later on when he rebelled and God said, I can't use you anymore, he said this. When you were little in your own eyes, I made you ruler over my people. 
You know what he's saying? You got the big head, started doing things without my permission, taking on authority that was not yours, and I cannot use you that way. So we see a soul in decline. A spiritual decline is always obvious to everybody except the person who's in spiritual decline. Sometimes we can hide it for a while, at least to our own conscience. But the fact of the matter is, spiritual decline, backsliding, withdrawal from a walk, a fellowship with God, a refusal to accept the principles of Christianity, a rejection of God's terms, to spiritually strengthen yourself soon makes it evident in a man's character. You cannot hide it. Christianity and living for God is something you cannot fake. For a Goliath is coming your way. And Saul said, I cannot face that guy. But David could. It wasn't the size. It wasn't the challenge. It was their relationship with God that made all the difference in their life. 1 Samuel chapter number 18. Look at verse number 7 if you would please. The women answered... Now, David has been in Saul's military. He is now in charge of probably all, if not most, of his army. He is on a hit squad that goes out and tears up the Philistines on a constant basis. And you would think this statement here in verse number 7, Saul hath slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Isn't that a wonderful thing for God's people? It, doesn't that bring glory to God? I mean, the enemies are getting beat up. They're getting killed. They're getting cast out of the way. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing for God's people? We've got two leaders now that are really whooping up on everybody for the cause of Christ. Wouldn't, shouldn't everybody be shouting about this? But you see, Saul's heart has changed. Therefore, he can't see straight. He actually believes the very guy that's bringing victory to his kingdom is his enemy. That's a sad state of affairs, is it not? Saul found it a bitter pill to swallow. And by the way, don't let it catch you off base. He knew perfectly well that God was done with him. Because earlier Samuel the preacher had said, because you disobeyed God's word, I can't use you in leadership. Now nobody in their right mind would say, you kidding me, one time and God's done? Nobody that knows God at all would ever make such a foolish statement. One out of step bounds and God's done with you. That's not the case. Saul kept stepping out of bounds all the time. You see, every since the women begin to... By the way, by the, if you look at this, look at this very carefully. If I can find this real quick. Uh, evidently, I can't find it real quick. But, oh, here it is. Here it comes. Look at verse number 6, the latter part. The women came out all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet who? They come out to meet David. There's our king. We come out to meet him. We understand what's going on here. But the only thing Saul caught on to was they have ascribed to a lesser than me more than me. And because of his heart... Bitterness found soil to sink itself into yeah. yes. and begin to grow. Yes. He couldn't see straight anymore. His friend was his enemy. His own son became his enemy. 
David said, I'm sitting there one day just playing, helping the king out. He picks up a javelin and throws it at me, thinking I am his enemy. Why? Because here's what he said. Look in 1 Samuel 18, 8. They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. See the last part here? What can he have more but the kingdom? You see, years earlier, the preacher already said, because of your disobedience, God has found another. I tend to believe from that time on, Saul was always looking for that next person that's going to try to take his place. David wasn't after the position. By the way, I'll stand by that statement that A.W. Tozer had up here, or I had up here, A.W. Tozer quoted. If you are striving for leadership, you're disqualified. Men of God should not strive. So what we have here is simply this. We find out that they, what else can he have but the king? Jealousy. Jealousy has found root in King, in king Saul's life. David didn't put that there. Saul said, go out and kill the Philistines. Guess what David did? He went out and killed the Philistines. Turn on 72. He went out and killed the Philistines. He comes back and says, check it out. I know what you're after. You're showing off now. You just want the kingdom. You want everybody to look at you and not at me. That was not David's heart. David was serious about serving the Lord. You see, there's a later Saul would waste years chasing David all over. I mean, years and thousands of hours of man time chasing a guy who keeps saying, what did I do? What did I do? I, I'm here to serve you. What did I do wrong? He had no idea. By the way, a lot of times the very people you're upset about yeah. that you can't hardly think anything good about, they have no idea what's wrong with you. They just know something's wrong with you. I ran into a, I didn't run into her. I stopped and was talking to a lady a few weeks back. And here's what she made this statement. And I thought, boy, I know a lot of people never do catch on to that one. Here's what she said. She said, preacher, I have figured out that we get things in our head and build whole stories around them to find out later on that's not true. Something we've made up in our own imagination. So, jealousy. Jealousy ripened in Saul's unbelief. He believed that his own friend had become his enemy and his son was siding with that friend. And that wasn't true. Obvious breakdown of relationship with God is now coming out in King Saul's life. Folks, listen to me. When you're irritable, short-tempered, uh, backing away from everything, quit blaming it on everybody. Nobody buys that. What they're looking at is, why isn't he here? Why isn't she doing this? How come they didn't show up? They're not examining you. They wonder what's wrong. Is this not what you do to your children? Is this not what you do to your wife or your husband? Honey, what's wrong with you? Why do you think they're acting? Because there's nothing wrong with you? So what we have here is this. We find out here that in attitude and actions, it is obvious something's wrong with King Saul. This one-time hero of Israel, head and shoulders above everybody. I mean, this man had it together. Everybody looked up at him and said, that's our king. Now, all of a sudden, doesn't have enough courage. He backslides and runs off into his tent and doesn't want to see anybody, doesn't want to face anything. 
and is just hoping somehow it'll all go away. Thus enters in David. What we find out here is this. Listen to me very carefully. Saul still had, listen to me, Christian. Listen to me, ma'am, sir. Listen. Saul still had the formula. He knew what to do, when to do it, how to go about it. Problem is, he had lost all of his courage and power. I fear there are way too many Christians. I've done it for myself. Just let you off the hook. Done it for myself. Go through the motions with no thought of God. Sing a song with no prayer. Work on a sermon just because I thought it was a cool sermon. No power. No favor of God. And end up hurting a lot of people. You see what happened is the whole army of Israel was waiting on one man. The king. They didn't move unless the king said. They're all waiting. Give us a word to attack. But he's in his tent hiding. Not because they couldn't beat these Philistines. They beat them before. They're in there hiding because their king said, that's what I'm doing. I have backslid to the point. Uh, you guys out there, I'm king. Go, go, go get them, fellas. I'm king. Come on. Come on now. In those days, leaders led. They didn't point. They led. And their king was no longer in leadership. You see, he still had a formula. But he lost the reality of God. And he dared not venture out against Goliath or the Philistines without a reality of God in his life. This is what we're doing. We're taking on Sunday school classes and bus routes and going out and soul winning with no reality. Oh, we got the formula down. Uh, let me see. Romans chapter 3, verse number. And we got, oh, let me quote it. We could quote it in our sleep. We know the formula. We know the principles. We've got it all down. King Saul had it all. He was the king. You know what he was missing? The power and fellowship of God, which makes all of this work. In his soul reigned frustration. And darkness and jealousy and bitterness and murder. Murder. What a tragedy. By contrast, look at verse number 14. Chapter 18, verse 14. David behaved himself wisely. Now, wait a minute. He's anointed to be king, right? Watch what he's doing, though. David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. Wow, that's different. And the Lord was with him. Hey, hey, I've been anointed. You get off my throne. God talked to me, and he said, he didn't do that. David was perfectly contented to wait upon the Lord. Well, he anointed me, and i got to do something. Show me where David said that. Show me where the Apostle Paul said that. Show me where this happens in the Bible. It doesn't. God moves even kings in and out as it pleases him. He takes the rivers of water and turns them whithersoever he would. But somehow he can't find us and show us where we need to be. We got to guess. We got to run around, run our head in the wall. So David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. You see, with David, it wasn't merely a method. It wasn't just some principles he was trying to live by. It wasn't just... David had a reality of God. 
He didn't just go to church. He's going there to meet God. He wasn't just writing a song or playing a musical instrument. He was doing it for God. See, there was a reality that Saul had lost. Do you know why he didn't dread his bus route or his Sunday school class? Because God was going to be there with him. If it has to watch over little sheep, I'm going to do it with God. I'm not watching, I'm not watching little sheep by myself. So David, though he's anointed king, he's over here giving his life to some sheep on a hill where nobody even knew he was. You know why? Because the reality of God, that's all that made the difference with David. Listen, that which marked the difference between these two men, are you listening to me? Listen to me, fellas. Listen to me, ladies. It's what they did when they were alone. You see, David, when he was alone, he worshiped God. He meditated on the word of God night and day. When he was alone, he was not just wasting time watching somebody's sheep, waiting for my big day. He was giving it his all right. By the way, a bear came up. Oh, I'm going to be king someday. I ain't messing with this stuff. I mean, I don't have to go through this. That's not what he did. He gave his life, I mean, right up to the place where he put his hand inside of a bear and a lion's mouth and ripped them wide open and said, you're not messing with my father's sheep. He didn't hold up his title or that he was anointed. Or I'm the, he didn't do that. This job is important to me and I'm going to do it because God and I are going to do this job. It wasn't just a method or some principles or some habits he had gotten into. It was a reality of God. Anchor Baptist Church did not save you. Preacher cannot keep you. The reason that we're losing so many people is not because of the preacher and not because of the church. It is because our relationship with God is not a reality. Don't tell me you can't forgive somebody. If you had a reality relationship with God, you'd do it that quick. David worshipped the Lord. Saul, on the other hand, was self-indulgent. What a man does alone in his thoughts is what he's going to be out in public eventually. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Oh, let me shake hands. Hello, how are you? Hey, good to see you. Hi, how are you? That's in public. God does not use you because you're a public figure. God used you because of your private life. So what was David doing? Well, in his private life, he wasn't just watching sheep. He was making God a reality in his life. Saul, on the other hand, got self-indulgent. What a man does alone with God is what he will eventually be in public with other people. It is there that either by self-indulgence you will wreck your character or by self-discipline you will build your character. It's not out in public. It's in private. 
It's in private is what God's looking at. That's why he said, go to your closet. I will see thee in private. And I'll reward you openly. He didn't say, you're really good among people. Wow, I've been looking for a talented guy like you. It's not what he said. Self-discipline is what forms a man's character. Alone with God, David just meditated, nourished his soul with the Lord. He learned how to watch. Here's the way you learn to control yourself out in public. I say this about children. You want to know why your kid runs wild when he's at church or out in public? Because he never learned how not to when he was home. He don't act like that at home. Now, now, now. Must be those other church kids that bring out the worst in him, right? David, David, when he was alone, learned how to suffer criticisms of his own brethren. So when it finally happened, the most he said was, what have I done? He wasn't defending himself. He wasn't fighting back. And by the way, he didn't bring up, you guys better knock it off. When I become king... He was able to bear the rebuke, to take misrepresentation gently. To be unruffled through the scathing criticisms by people who should have known better. Is this not what bothers us so much? Preacher, they, they ought to know better. That's what we say. We're talking about Dave. Dave wasn't the oldest. Dave was the youngest in the family. His older brothers looked at him and tried to rip him wide open. And David said, I don't get it. What I did? did I do something wrong? See, David had learned to be strong is to be gentle when you're provoked. Can you do that? If somebody came right up to you and said, I don't care. You're not allowed to do that. Hey, I'm the king here. You see that oil? I'm anointed. You can't talk to me that way. I've had it with you, buddy. I, told, I tell him all the time. I was talking to uh, Brother Soto today. I'm going to tell you the hardest thing about leadership. There are two of them in my opinion. Okay, there's a dozen of them. But anyway. <laughs> Number one is learn to control self, not others. Amen. Number two, the constant interruptions that a leader has to face anymore. And you just want to sit and study your Bible all day long. If you ever find that church, call me. I want to go there. I want to be their pastor. A king doesn't sit around fan himself and eat grapes. <laughs> That's it. Then I'm not going full time. Can, can, you, can you see the contrast? Are, are you getting it? Can, can you start to see the contrast? Two men who start off the same way. Both of them called of God. Both of them anointed. Both of them had position. And after that, there is no more comparison. They start going in different directions. I want us to understand why. Why did it have to be this way? On one hand, you had gentleness and meekness. On the other hand, you had sin, jealousy, bitterness, and hatred. 
my dear friend. You can defend your anger, unforgiveness, hatred, jealousy, all you want to. And you might even be right in what you're saying. But God will not use you. So you have to figure out what you want. You see, on the one hand, because of all the sin and hatred, there was powerlessness in fighting. On the other hand, what you had was a man who was gentle and meek in spirit who meditated on the Lord. Sounds like a sissy, doesn't it? One of the greatest warriors and kings in all of Israel's history. Where do you fit in so far? A soul in decline? Or a soul that's growing? Is your life declining because of self-indulgence? Or are you growing because in the secret places where you meet God, there's a relationship being built? One builds, one destroys. What do you do? What do you think about when you're alone? What does the devil do with your mind when you're by yourself? Triumph and tragedy. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12. This is the part that just devastates me. Look at 1 Samuel 18 and verse number 12. And Saul was afraid of David and tells us why. Because. Are you kidding me? You're afraid of David because the Lord's with him? And the Lord is not with you. Well, that's great. If the Lord's not going to use me, he ain't using nobody. Maybe it was way back here David learned that when God said, you're not building the temple. <laughs> well, that's the way Christianity is going to be. I'm not staying. You know what he said? The preacher said, look, it's not, what, it's not wrong what you got in your heart. That's okay. You're just not the guy for that job. We don't like that answer. So you know what David said? I know what we're going to do. I'm going to get all the stuff he could possibly want to use to build that temple. I designed it to begin with. God, God told me what to do. I'll get all the stuff and I'll help my son accomplish what God said. I'm not the guy to do. You're not the guy to do everything. If God wanted to use you for such a time as this. That's not good enough, is it? One great feat. I'm going to college for that. I didn't go through all this for that. What did you do? What, what was your purpose of doing that to begin with? If it was not to bring God glory and be used of him, not you use him. You lost your vision. The soul's desolation. It says here the Lord was departed from Saul. Think about that. Calm yourself down. Think. The Lord. He had him. And he departed. What are we talking about? 
the Lord's presence. The Lord using Saul wasn't happening anymore. Encouraging him, giving him power, helping him overcome. It was all gone. What a dreadful thought for God to give somebody life. And that life is no longer going to be used. I can't think of a more lonely, shallow Christian existence than I know God, but I don't know him. That God saved me, but we don't walk together. God wanted to have his way, and I turned him down, and therefore he doesn't talk to me much anymore. You should preach. I don't think that'll happen. When God's presence is withdrawn from a man, his Holy Spirit, watch me, listen to me, sir, ma'am. When God's Holy Spirit is withdrawn from a man, don't jump the gun, he's there to stay. What I mean by that is in his convicting power. You sit here in this church service and nothing convicts you anymore? You sit here and listen to people shout and laugh and wonderful music and great singing. Can I, can I ask you an honest question? Why is it you're never convicted anymore? Have you ever asked yourself that? Please don't try to convince everybody. I, I, I don't do anything wrong anymore. Okay, number one, you just lied. And that's a sin. But have you ever wondered when you're reading your Bible, why it doesn't ever do this? Have you ever wondered when everybody's at the altar and you're just standing there looking at your phone? Why there is no conviction? Because God has withdrawn his convicting because you have said, I am not going to do this. You can't pick and choose what Bible you want to obey. What you know is right is what you're supposed to be doing. We find out that when this happens, men begin to lose hope. They revolt against everything. He becomes sour and bitter. He's afraid to meet people, talk to them. He shuts himself away whenever possible. He has no appetite for Bible, prayer, or telling others about Christ. God has departed. But there's something even worse than that if there is such a thing. Look in verse number 10. The evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Preacher, that, that, I, I've never understood that. That can't be, right? I mean, an evil spirit from God. If anybody can do evil, it is God. So what are we talking about here? An evil spirit from God. Doesn't God send the Holy Spirit, right? Certainly not an evil spirit. So what are we talking about here? First of all, remember what evil is. Okay? Now, God sends the Holy Spirit, we're told, to lead, to guide, to rebuke, to comfort, to love, to empower. Would God send an evil spirit? Yes. If a man stamps his foot at God and stiffens his neck. I'm going to show you a verse here in a minute. The Bible said he shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. But there's another verse that says something like this. In Psalm chapter number 18, verse 26. With the pure, I will show myself pure. Do you remember the rest of it? 
Here's what it says. And with the froward, you know what a froward person is? A person who will not yield to what is right. The word froward, not forward. Froward means turning from, not willing to comply, unyielded. You say, preacher, I don't agree with you. No, no, we're talking about God here. Watch what it says. He said, with the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, watch this, you won't believe this. Thou wilt show thyself froward. God said, you don't want to be used with it? You don't want to follow me? I'm not going to use you. You won't yield to me? I'm not yielding to you. Now, I can't think of anything much worse than God saying, I'm not using you and your rotten spirit is not because of God and other people. It's because of you. You see what happens here. Satan tripped Saul up. That can happen to anybody. What Saul didn't do was go get right with God. When Samuel came to him and said, why, why, what, what's that bleeding of the sheep in the background? First thing he did, excuse. Gave reason why instead of saying, I sinned, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what I said, please forgive me. He didn't do that. Pride set in immediately. When pride set in immediately, he started thinking about his position, started thinking about his fame, started thinking about what people would think. All of those things are sinful. You do not build a reputation. You build a testimony for God. Satan tripped him up, but he would not get right. He starts struggling against God. And the verse that I just read to you, God said, look, when you're pure... I'll be pure in return. That's fair. Doesn't that sound? That sounds good to me, right? We're not talking about asking for forgiveness. God said, you come to me, I'll forgive you. We're talking about living a pure life. God said, when you're pure with it, the Bible says the pure, their thoughts are pure. Do you run around thinking evil and dirty about everybody? Wrong and critical about everybody? You're not pure. You're not pure. Preacher, people get over on you all the time. Forgive me for saying this, and I'm not sure how you'll take this. The Bible said, love thinketh no evil. I don't prefer to think evil about other people. I don't, I don't prefer to do that. I don't want to do that. So yes, sometimes people get over on me. Sometimes I put people in positions or ask people to do things and everybody else is going, what in the world is he thinking? I'm trying to give him opportunity. I prefer not to think evil first and prove why it's evil. That's not what God does to me. God said, okay, preacher. That's what God calls me, preacher. He said, come to me and we'll work at this again. See, the key there was come to me. First John chapter number 1, verse number 9. If you confess your sin, I am faithful and just forgive you of all your... God is saying, come on, come on. Look, no, don't you run from me. You come to me. Stand your ground. You're not going to have any ground to stand on here before long. Isn't it strange, though, going back to this music thing, I love to hear good music. Amen. I am so pleased you decided to give your life to that, that instrument right there. Not, not to him so much, but to that instrument right there. I can't tell you how many times I sat right here about ready to explode.
and I hear the piano start. This is why you ought to be quiet and listen during offertory. This was Saul's problem. But somebody knew enough to say, you know something, if we got a person who could play music, watch what he said. What did he say? He said, um, uh, I hope I can find this. Oh, a cunning player on the harp. In another place he said that plays well, I believe is what he said. He didn't say, bring somebody who has a good heart. Okay, they hit a couple of bad notes. It's okay. No, Saul was already wound up. He ain't putting up much more. <laughs> he needed somebody. See, here's what you do. You're going along in the car, and all of a sudden you've got a bad attitude about everything. So you turn it over there on 90, what's that? Hope? What is it? Not the wiva. Speak English, man. Whatever it is. And you know what you do? You get all hyped up. You start feeling better about yourself. Not about your relationship with God. The devil is great at twisting things that God gives. So when your soul is in need of calm, the devil says, push that button there. Turn that dial right there. Put that CD in. You know what we do? Okay. <laughs> I need to listen to something. You know why? I don't want to think. So you put something in that really causes your emotions and feelings to go in a way they should not go. Then you sit in church service and go like this. They're singing that same song again. Yeah, you know, kind of like Amazing Grace. I mean, we sung it once. What in the world are people singing it again for? It's not just the song, it's your relationship with God. Look, I still tell Mrs. Bell every morning after all these years, well, I say I love me, but when I go away in the morning, I say, okay, honey, I'll see you later. Love me. And she says, I love you too. And I say, thank you. You still love the Lord? I and mean, with all the trouble you've been in since you've been a Christian, do you still love the Lord? Amen. Do you ever tell him and do you mean it or do you just say it because preachers say, tell the Lord you love me, Lord. Love you. That's a method. That's an outline. That's a system. That's not a relationship. Do you know nobody watches over me to see if I read my Bible? And I promise you right now, if you've been reading your Bible, you're close to like, what, 300 chapters already? I am up to date except for today. You wouldn't even accept the challenge, would you? You know what God's trying to do? In your quiet place when you're all alone, God was simply saying, you going to let me form your character? Just me and you now. Let's talk this thing over. That's all God's after. Quiet time in here and in here. And this is why sometimes, church, we just need to Be still and know that I am God. Saul kind of got away from that, didn't he? You see, the devil tripped him up, and what he did, he never got back to God. Saul's poor, lonely soul responded to music to, to a point, but he never did get right with God. 
Music has great power. However, by contrast, David behaved himself. Verse number 14 of chapter 18. The Bible said, David behaved himself wisely in all ways, and the Lord was with him. Said God was no longer with Saul. Not only that, but he sent an evil spirit. You know what it says about David? God was with him. And somehow, Saul looked at that as being a bad thing. Watch, it comes out this way. Oh, okay. So preacher asks you, you think you're better than anybody else, right? You know what that is? That's God using one person and another person getting jealous over the whole thing. Look, if I want to use Adam Freed, that's my business. Amen. Oh, it's not my business? Whose business is it? Who could I talk to? Come on, If I don't want to use somebody at the time, I know y'all second guess. If I was a preacher, I would, but you're not the preacher. I have to answer, you don't. So it's real easy for you to make an off-the-cuff decision. It's really not for me. Now, I've made some pretty bad decisions. Thank you for not amening. God bless your heart. Okay, well, he'll lose his job after tonight anyway. I see he'll amen like, oh, good, finally. I ah, get out of here. Uh, I'm keeping you around because your wife, that's ego. Now, <laughs> David lived and fellowshiped with God every day. This was not a method with David. This was not an outline that he had to follow. These weren't nine things to success. If I do them, I'll be in there. This is why when David faced Goliath, he wasn't afraid to use God's name. You know why? It was all about him. It wasn't about me. David had the power of God on his life. And when he faced Goliath, it wasn't like, man, I hope I can pull this off. Because it wasn't about David. And David's hand did not quiver and shake when he put that rock in there. Do you know why? He wasn't the guy that's going to guide this. God's going to guide it. God will guide. And I got a guy this tall hiding in his tent while one guy made the proclamation. The living God, today I'm going to cut your stinking head off and the dogs are going to eat your flesh. Man, that's pretty prideful. No, 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 no. David didn't say hardly anything until that big jerk said something about David's God and how he was going to make David look foolish. And David said, okay. Let me tell you how that cow is really going to eat that cabbage. Something like that. You see, in David's heart, there was no fear to face the enemy. In Saul's heart, there was nothing but fear anymore. By contrast, the Bible says that the Lord departed from Saul. But watch why Saul was so upset with David. It says in verse number 12, Saul was afraid of David. Are you kidding me? Why? Because the Lord was with him. That's it? You're afraid of David because the Lord's with David? That's not all. Look what else he says. He said, oh, so he did recognize it, didn't he? He did recognize God's no longer with CJ, we good? All right. The Lord's no longer with me. I recognize it. Not only that, but I recognize he's with you and not me. 
And that made him mad. Man, to have somebody like that on staff. We, we don't have spiritual guys up here, but if we did, Amen. I wouldn't be mad about it, fellas. Get filled. By the way, when, when, a, when a person, for the most part, is right with God and other people, you can poke fun at him. It'd be all right. Why did the preacher say that? Doesn't he like me now? No, go to Florida. And I always like it when other people are judging what I just said. You know, if I was that young man, I think I would be upset. Well, I'm just glad you're not that young man. If I meant it, you'd know. 1 Samuel chapter number 15. Almost done. Keep praying. Look at verse number 23. The sooner you get right with God, we're all leaving. Now there we go. We're going, we're, we're going to be here a long time. Samuel, the preacher, if you would, comes to Saul with this accusation. Watch what he says. He's coming to the would-be king now. Still has the position, but not anointed by God. Wrapped up in himself, cannot see God. Friends have become enemies. You're going to kill them. Because thou hast rejected... Go ahead, read the next phrase. The word of the Lord. You got it in your lap. Good. Keep telling me, but I don't believe that part. I don't like that part. I don't understand that part. Say all you want to. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Are you kidding me? One mistake and God's done with me? Oh, no, 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 no. Saul has a history that started way back when he said, I want you to kill all the king and everybody and kill them all. He saved the king. Well, watch it. Here's leadership. He saved the king. He saved a bunch of animals. Then he said, we're going to sacrifice them to God. The preacher said, who told you to do that? Then he says this. Well, honestly, preacher, it wasn't me. It's the people. They wanted to do this. Leadership does not blame people when things go bad. Leadership praises and gives glory to others when things go right. Please forgive me. I'm saying this to teach you. When we, when we do things around here, whatever it is, working on the buildings or stuff, I never mention my name. I never do. But you probably wonder, does he ever do anything? <laughs> it's, not, it's not me that you need to know is working here. It's them. By the way, I don't hardly ever mention these guys. I'll mention you. Boy, you did a great job. Hey, our teenagers the other day, man, did you see what those guys did? Hey, by the way, so-and-so, let's clap for them. They did a great job. That's what leadership does. Daddy, that's what you're supposed to do in your home. When things go wrong, you say, I'll fix it. I'll take care of things. It's probably because of me anyway. When it goes right, don't hurt your shoulder, okay? Okay. Throw that in you see, it wasn't just one act. We find out that later on, he not only offered up a sacrifice and was told not to do that, but you know what his problem was there? He had some downtime. 
He didn't know what to do in his alone time. He didn't know what to do when he didn't know what to do. That's why he would come here to learn deep stuff. You know what he should have been doing? Better build that relationship with God. Battle. Amen. Battle's heading our direction. You see, all of these things made him impatient with God and with the preacher. Later, he disobeyed God's word again and spared the Amalekites in 1 Samuel chapter 15. He repeatedly rejected the word of God. Therefore, his course was down. Y'all remember, um, let's see if I can get Noah. and Don't put him in the ark or anything. Put him in the right place. Jonah. <laughs> Jonah. I looked at you and I was captivated. I didn't know what else to say. Jonah. <laughs> Make you feel good, follow a guy like me. When Jonah, well, look at me, when Jonah disobeyed the word of God to go to Nineveh, the Bible said he went down to Joppa. He went down in the ship. He went down, use that word, down in the belly of hell. When you decide, I don't care. I don't have to. You will find your life beginning on a downhill slide. Saul began to disobey God. So we have observed two lives. David won because his motives were pure. You're doing everything right, but can I ask you a question? What's your motive? Why are you doing it? Do you outwork others and hope to get a position? I hope you never get the position. Even if I give it to you, I hope you don't end up with it. Wrong motive. Till you learn how to suffer quietly without complaining, what do you think you're going to do when you become a leader? David won because his motives were pure. The Bible said and that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. That was his motive. I want to defeat Goliath so I can show everybody I'm a man. No, I want to defeat Goliath so everybody knows there's a God. Why do you you want a bigger Sunday school class? Why do you want to be a pastor? Why do you want to be a missionary? Why do you want to sing or play? What is your motive? God is concerned greatly about motive. If I moved you from here, Okay, you're up next. No, No, sir. Amen. No way. Now, David put God in his proper place of authority. You know why? David knew, I'm just an instrument in a box. If God wants to use me, that's up to him. That's not up to me. I took on a bear, a lion. Somebody ought to be using me. David said, God wants to use you. That's his business. We need to stay out of God's business and start doing our business. You see, he said the battle was the Lord's. David had all the confidence in using God's name because the Lord was in his rightful place in David's life. Quit making up your mind concerning your best friends, your family members. You are giving your life to Jesus Christ. And all that matters is, is my life bringing him glory? If it's not bringing him glory, I don't care who you side with or what your position is. You're getting ready to go down. 
Proverbs 28, 1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous, that doesn't mean just saved. Those living right are bold as a lion. Boldness is not the way you talk. Boldness is a confidence. David was confident. David had boldness. Because he knew God. Everything would be all right. You see, contrast this with Saul. I'll just tell you, I've been here. I'm just thankful that God allowed me to be used after some of the stupid things I've done at all. Hope, quit shaking your head so big. Will you please make me nervous? Think about the emptiness and loneliness of a man who has repeatedly rejected the word of God and knows it. God has stopped you. God has interrupted. God has called you. God has stopped. God has invited. You keep rejecting, Saul. King or not, you're going down. God will not use somebody that wants to fly by their own Whatever. That's a good statement. Whatever. Yeah, because I couldn't think of a word. There you go. Last page. Half page. Ready? Listen to me. Don't get sidetracked now. Don't put your Bibles up. You do. I'll keep preaching. Gloria's getting used to this. She's even smiling now when I make statements like that. She's going, oh, he's just fun. And Gloria, you don't know me well yet, so. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? You living in triumph or tragedy? Which one is, which one, which one is you? Which one are you? Triumph or tragedy? Before your God, are you in spiritual decline you know if you are. Let's just, let's just cut to the chase. I know when I am. You know when you are. Or are you still heading? Truthfully now, before God, are you still heading in that direction? Is your Christian life become only a formula, a pattern, an empty outline? Honestly, you could quote it in your sleep. I watch these guys on the front line. Turn to Isaiah. Over there. The new person is going, what is an Isaiah? They can do that, but I want to know if you know God and you can walk with him. You have no personal relationship. I don't care how fast you can find something. I don't care if you're the king. God will take some little kid that came out of the roughest part of town and pass you young Christians who all you've ever known are the formulas and the outlines and the patterns. I know how to dress. I know how to comb my hair. I know how to fix a tie. But you don't know God. That's what it's about. Are you living in disobedience to the word of God? Even to repent and confess your own sin. You want to know if God is making headway in your life. When you have your heart set on something, 
And God said, not now. When you say, I'll let God use me, I know what you mean by that, but I can show you in the Bible where God used a person by not using them now. Preaching about one right now. Already anointed, not in the king. Already fighting big battles, but he's not on the throne. That is his promise placed, but he's out on the hills watching over sheep. You know what David said? When God's ready. I'll stay ready for whenever he may be ready. I was talking to someone just today and I said, can I ask you something? Did God, are you saved? They said, yeah. I said, did God find you when you were blind and dead in trespasses and sins and you did not know him? Yeah. You think if you want to serve him now, God's saying, no, 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 I'm tricking you. God wants people to serve him. God's not playing games with your life. The reason you keep struggling and banging your head against the wall looking everywhere is because God has not made it plain yet. Now, when you couldn't see and you were dead and didn't know the first thing about God, he found you and made it plain. You need to be saved. But now all of a sudden, I love the Lord. I know a little bit of Bible. And somehow God can't find me here at Anchor Baptist Church. God knows where you are, Shannon. God knows where you are, Brother Soto. God knows where you are, Adam. We're so afraid somehow he'll overlook a child that loves him. Why would he do that? So much depends upon your decision tonight. The decline of your life can stop right tonight. That dead spirit that's taking over your life can stop that quick. Saul could have changed his life any time he chose to. But he stood his ground and defended to the point, nobody's getting my position and my glory if I had to kill my best friend and my son. How far are you going to go with this? How far are you going to keep disobeying the word of God until the hope that you had one day of maybe being called to preach or God using you or be a missionary, God said, I can't use you anymore. It's not he doesn't want to, he can't. When you become your own guide, then God can't. So, you're living in triumph or tragedy. It's your decision. We live in simply by a method, an outline, an empty habit of doing things. It's no wonder you want to quit Christianity. I would. I almost have. Because I know what an emptiness, it's not fundamentalism, serving Jesus can be when Jesus is no longer about him. Why serve somebody that's no longer about him anymore? Just doesn't make sense, does it? Everything's all right. In my Father's house. What? Know you not that your body's the temple of the living God? Of the Spirit of God, which you have, something like that, been paid with a price or whatever. Quote that for me, will you? Listen to me. You ready? God, I recognize. That's all Saul, that's all Saul had to do. That's right. That's right. Sammy, you're right. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. That's not what he did. 
He stood his ground and things got continually worse. And by the way, God already has your replacement in mind. Don't fool yourself. God wants something to go. He'll do it with or without you. He'll do it with or without me. I'd rather be included. I kind of want a meeting that way, you know. Hey, how'd we do? Did we win? Instead of, I'm not sure I'm ready to meet him. What is it? Tragedy or triumph? Let's pray. Father. Dear Lord, why will we not understand the strength of our own flesh is sinful and hates everything that God wants? Even if the devil has to use the Bible against us, he'll do it. Thus, what we are when we're alone. What we have running through our minds when nobody is around is what we truly are. You know that. Oh, we'll hide it for a while, won't we? But then all of a sudden, somebody's, what? Taking my place? My dreams are shattered. My hope. If that's the way Christianity is, I'm quitting. God, please help us understand that's not Christianity. That's not living for you. That's not the reality of Jesus Christ in a Christian's life. That is a life of Saul that God called, wanted to use, had a life set out for him, and he just kept disobeying the word of God. Please help us. I believe with all of my heart, Father, that when every one of us got saved, it was our intention to go all out for you and live for you and love on you. And then we found out there's a battle in all this. We made some bad decisions. We all do. But may tonight be not one of those bad decisions that says, not tonight, I'm not getting right. Please, help us. As she plays, we stay in the building.
fail. So stop that kind of thinking. You're not fooling anybody. Come to Jesus, please. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to give you the power you need. He wants to comfort you and direct you again. But when you have decided in your own mind openly, I am not going to give in to that. Your decision. Irritate the fire out of you. Oh man, we should have kept the last guy. <laughs> 